2: The numbers told the story; they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on Visa. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics.
0: Good Monday morning to you. Memorial Day. It is a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network, Visa the Visa app, Fubo Sling Game Plus, iHeart Radio, YouTube, TV. It's Gil Alexander. How you doing? Uh, in for Jeff Parlay today. We never like it when Jeff is uh, is away, but it's wedding season. Not his wedding, but he's got friends who are uh, getting married. But if there was ever a week. For Jeff to be out and for Ben Wilson to be here, maybe this is the week. Ben Wilson, ladies and gentlemen, and for Jeff Parley. how you doing, Ben? Thank you, Gil. It's great, to, great to be back on the show. What a what an honor. It wow. is,
3: it is indeed wedding season for us uh, near thirty year olds, youngsters. It's every single week, basically. Oh, oh I yeah. remember, I remember that age. After the third or fourth one, you're like, oh, for
0: God's sakes!
3: A bachelor party in Nashville this weekend? Oh, wow, really? Great times. I'm not, I am not mentally prepared. So <laughs> for you're going to have to check in with me in a week. For anyway. Nash Vegas.
0: Whew. For those unfamiliar with Ben, Ben is a uh, is a play-by-play guy who I have always said, how many times have I said this, Ben? Maybe not in your presence, but I think in your presence as well. That when all is said and done, you will be the most famous person to ever come out of Eason. Me too, kind. It's the truth. Um, and so w- w- why it's a beautiful week for you to be here is obviously the French Open is going on. You're a big tennis guy. And the College World Series is coming up in a month. We have Selection Monday today for the regionals, super regionals coming in between. So we want to get into all that for people who are interested in betting college baseball. Somehow I have four bets, and I have no clue how I got there. A buddy of mine, Brad Pours, who, uh who is responsible. So it's, I didn't originate like I originate tennis. I didn't originate the college be- the baseball ones. So I can't like really talk about him like, hey, look, I, I got this team. But we'll get into the format of that for those who are uh, interested in betting that. Uh, Paul Spohr will join us, talk Major League Baseball, Andy McNeil on hockey, Wes Reynolds on any number of subjects. He had a big Indy 500 winner this weekend. What a finish to the Charles Schwab Challenge in golf yesterday. And JVT will talk uh, NBA with us. First of all, a French Open before we get to uh, the game last night. French Open now is it's the final matches of the round of 16 going into the quarterfinals, which begins tomorrow, which begin tomorrow. So the quarterfinals, the only bet we had today did not win. It was Madison Keys. Literally only our second losing day during this French Open, during Roland Garros, tennis's second major. And both losing days were 0-1. The, the two days we only had one match. 0-1 on Miyamir Kikmanovic last week against uh, Daniil Medvedev. So that was a dog play. And then here with uh, Maddie Keys we had early this morning, we had like 30 cents, 35 cents of closing line value, CLV. And that has been like the kiss of death for us this year in tennis matches when we get a good CLV. Uh, Matty Keys ends up losing in three, like the number where we got it, at minus 116, certainly uh, didn't recommend playing it at its closing number of in the minus 140s. Nonetheless, what a tournament it has been. And, Ben, tomorrow is the day where I, I, I'm going to say on the men's quarterfinal side, I'm certainly – I would imagine I wouldn't have a play – just gonna hope for uh, the Carlos Alcaraz futures to take one more step, but it's Alcaraz versus Sasha Zverev. Charlie Alcaraz, he likes to be called now, Carlito or Charlie. Don't call him Carlos. Good uh, to know. That's huge. He's a big favorite, so hopefully that gets through. And then of course it's Joker and Nadal. Where Joker's uh, north of a two dollar favorite. You agree with that?
3: Makes sense. And based on the you know based on the yeah. numbers we saw in the futures market as well, book it, books. It's amazing. We we finally gotten to the point, Gil, where there's not the baked in respect for Rafa at Roland Garros anymore. It's kind of the, the assumption in the market is, all right, this is probably it, which is a pretty stark and wild statement to be making because I think you would have said this. I mean, our, our position on this was always, all right, when we see him finally go down at Roland Garros, and, and it happens a couple times, we'll, we'll finally believe it. And it, it appears as though that is, is what at least the books believe, and it appears as though that's the,
0: the trajectory he is on right now. Now, we would not be surprised if he's surprised. But at the same time, that that number makes sense.
3: I say this as someone who had a lot of Medvedev stock at the Aussie Open yes. and did not even think for a split second about hedging. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets up 2 zero, and I'm like, oh, I'm good. And then, of course, Nadal with one of the greatest, you know, comeback upsets of all time.
0: Wouldn't it be amazing if, if well, while we're all focused on Djokovic, Nadal, and Alcaraz, if uh. Medvedev is the sneaky, breaky, sneaky, freaky brother sneaking in from the rear on the other side of the bracket where no one's thinking about him because it's not his surface, and he just rolls through. We'll see. It'll be fun. Uh, we'll see again on Twitter and in the newsletter. If I have a pick for tomorrow, you can hit me up on, at beatingthebook on Twitter, and I'll be happy to respond, or we'll try to get it in the newsletter. Not sure if I'll have a play tomorrow as the pickings get slimmer. As far as basketball last night, Game 7, two best words in sports. Boston at Miami. Miami, a two-and-a-half-point underdog in the end last night, a tip-off. Uh, might have saw some threes out there. It marked only the second time in the last 20 years uh, in Game 7. The last 20, no, not 20 uh, Twenty years, pardon me, Twenty. the last 20 Game 7s, excluding the bubble in 2020. Let's throw that out. Uh, when all the games were at Walt Disney World, but only the last, uh, the only the first, uh, the second time in the last twenty game sevens that the home team wasn't favored. The other was Houston in the uh, twenty eighteen Western Conference Finals. The Rockets were six and a half point dogs to the Warriors that day. W- uh, Rockets were just riddled with injuries. Warriors ended up winning and covering one hundred one to ninety two. Uh, but last night the Celtics get it done, one hundred ninety six on the road. Jason Tatum 20, uh, 26 10 and six. Smart 24, nine and five. Brown 24, six and six, the big three for the Celtics come through Jimmy Butler 35 and nine in defeat played every minute. remember he had 47 in game five. Bam showed up yesterday too 25 and 11. Other than that, it wasn't much for the heat. those two guys carried him. The only thing I got right here in the end was before the series, I said, I think we'll look back after this series and realize that we've all been underrating Jimmy Butler and that he is the true underrated superstar of the NBA. That part I got right. Sadly, that doesn't mean it meant any money for me. But Boston now 13-1 after losses over the last four-plus months. Think about that. 13-1 and after losses over the last four-plus months for the Celtics, and they head to the NBA Finals, which begins Thursday in San Francisco at Chase against the Warriors, who are in their sixth NBA Finals in eight years, the Warriors have a combined 123 games of NBA Finals experience. The Celtics, zero games of NBA Finals experience. Warriors about a minus 150 series favorite at, uh, at shops. Always shop around. that could tick up or down based on where you're looking. And the Warriors, three-point favorites, three-and-a-half-point favorites, somewhere in that pocket for game number one. Celtics are the first team since the 1981 Houston Rockets to make the NBA Finals after being under 500 at the halfway point of the season. They're the fourth team since 1967-68 to do that, but the first since the 81 Rockets. But remember, they finished this season on a 26-6 run, straight up, last 32 games, the Celtics, despite that very average start. 26-6 down the stretch, and then what a run it's been in the playoffs thus far in the Eastern Conference. They sweep the Nets, They beat the Bucs and Giannis, the defending NBA champs. Then they take down the number one Miami Heat, number one seeded Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, and now it's the Warriors. If the Celtics can pull this off, you couldn't have scripted a more impressive run through the NBA postseason. Celtics led by 15 at the end of the first quarter yesterday. 15. Largest ever by a road team after 12 minutes of a game seven. Ever. Led by as many as 17. And you know how it ended. Three thirty to go in the game, Boston led by thirteen. Three minutes and three and a half minutes. Boston leads by thirteen. They were still up nine with under two minutes. And somehow Jimmy Butler had the ball in his chance uh, ball in his hands with seventeen seconds left, and a chance to win it with a three or tie it with a two. Al Horford backs up on transition defense, and Butler elects to take the three. Clangs off the front of the rim. Ben, I don't know where you stood on that shot. Jeff Van Gundy immediately was like, oh, I don't like that shot at all. Horrible. I had zero problem with it. Look, you're in a position
3: to let's say, let's just say you drive to the basket, take the layup. There's what, sixteen seconds left? Yeah. So Celtics, hold for the last shot. Let's say you get a stop. You are going to be a lot if the betting market was set in overtime, you would be a two, two and a half point underdog in overtime based on how the full game line closed at three. So you're less than 50% based on the odds to win in overtime. You also have to make a stop <laughs> in the right. final sequence. And let's just say if you if you make that shot, if you're of Jimmy Butler, you pull up, you take a three. Well, now you're up one. Celtics are going to theoretically go quicker because you're not, you can't hold for one. So even if you give up a basket, you will have one more possession left. It just seems like from a numbers perspective, I don't know how you can hate on the decision when the guy has been the, the best, the best player, by far on your team and has basically dragged you to that position. I don't know how you can, especially a wide-open three, I just don't understand how you
0: can be against that. Completely dragged him there. Completely was the guy that brought them to that moment. Uh, and it missed. If he makes it, everybody's going nuts, and if it holds, right, and he wins the series, he's a hero for an eternity, doesn't go. But I have zero problem with the uh, with the decision. And, there's, and then there's lots of talk also about Boston playing not to win at the end. Like, that was a big theme on the post game. With Stephen A, sort of like, they they stopped playing. They played not to win. That's my Stephen A. Um, Should have got a Slobodan Medvedenko in there. Slobodan Medvedenko. Sorry he wasn't playing in this one. Anyway, I, I disagree with that, too. If if anything, if anything, I hated when, you know, the one possession where I thought Boston didn't play it right was when Jalen Brown drove to the hoop up five, 98-93, when he could have brought the clock down another 17 more seconds. There were 17 seconds left on the uh, shot clock. So instead of it being 98-93 Boston at worst with about 34 seconds left, Miami got the ball back with 50 seconds, 51 seconds left, and Strews ends up hitting a three to cut it to two. So, I mean, I, I also disagreed with that sort of postscript on it. We'll talk more with JVT about this after the break. There's much more to get into. In the end, uh, Warriors minus 150. You playing that? Are you playing the Celtics? Or how do you feel about the series?
3: I'm, I'm laying off. This feels like a over-series games type play.
0: Long we, series. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Which, remember, we talked about this last year. I think it was five and a half, and that thing was even money. And by the time it got to the first game, it was like minus 190. So I, I think you're going to get a
0: lot of action on the series games once those props start coming up. It's exactly the series we all wanted to see. though. Exactly the series we all want to see. I have the uh, Warriors plus 550 from earlier in the year. When the Warriors and the, and the Suns were the best two teams in basketball, the plus 550. So, just hoping to get that home in the end. JVT, Jonathan Montoble. We continue the NBA next. Numbers Game Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
4: The numbers game with Gil Alexander on v the sports betting network.
0: It's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, premier sports betting app. The premier sports betting app, I should say. BetMGM is all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and visit the located in nevada please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 skill alexander ben wilson in for jeff parlay this week um ben who does uh, multiple play-by-play games well what did you how many games did you do in the last five days or four we, we had days
3: nine over the last four days so college baseball arena football They have odds on arena football here, Gil. The Vegas Nighthawks expansion indoor football league team, which I know Jonathan Von Tobel is a big fan of. But they failed to cover. They were getting 11 in Frisco Saturday night, and they got blown out.
0: And you don't mean San Francisco. You mean Frisco, Texas. No,
3: Frisco fighters who play in the Comerica Center, home of the Texas Legends Dallas Mavericks G League affiliates.
0: Are you allowed to delve into betting odds while you're doing these Uh, games? Well, the
3: coach asked me for the odds before every game, so. So, I, on, but, I, on, but on the broadcast, are you? Oh yeah, yeah. They, I mean, did, look, they say, encourage it. It's a pro team. I mean, they're trying to get. They figure if they offer odds, they can get. You know, did you did you utter
0: the phrase? The coach asked me for the odds before the game. Did I you did say not that? say it on yeah. the air. But <laughs> yeah, we talked about.
3: He he's a uh, he's a VEASAN fan. He listens to Vesa. Oh, that's awesome, Mike Davis. Yeah,
0: I think you know what I'm, that sounds a little familiar now that you mentioned that. Former,
3: he's longtime CFL uh, assistant coach. You yeah. know?
0: He's, he's coaching the Vegas team. Great guy. Maybe I've interacted with him on Twitter. I'm not sure. Um, a few other things, and we'll bring JVT in here for these, but a few other things. Jonathan Bontobel from uh, The Edge that he uh, co-hosts with Matt Humans. He's our senior NBA uh, analyst here at VEASAN. And, of course, the host, as Ben said, of Hardwood Handicappers. Uh, oh, I guess you said that off air. Hardwood Handicappers is the name of the podcast. Uh, but there's a few other just sort of random things from the game. One, Mark Jones is a play-by-play guy. Ben, I don't know if you mentioned this. He was, like, incredulous that the Celtics were uh, – slow playing it he was like, why would the winning why would the leading team be doing this when the clock is stopped? Well the clock was running. Do you ever have moments in a game where you're like told hey, that you messed up on that part? <laughs> that one.
3: Look, it's the whole like yeah. the editorializing is a play by play. Like it's fine to do you want some of that, but you don't like when it's there's a reason why you've got guys yes. <laughs> there's two guys sitting next to you, especially a three man booth. Like, Mark, just let
0: them handle yeah, it. Okay. Don't handle the analysis. Yeah. And uh and then, you know, it's like Mike Breen had COVID, so he couldn't be there. And people were wondering, at least off offline, hey, how did uh, how did Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy go unscathed? Jeff Van Gundy didn't sound very healthy, did he, during that game? I was like, oh, he's okay. Uh, and then the other thing of the game, because we went through it in detail before the break, but the other thing is, and this is this was a moment in the game where I just felt like they gotta do something about this. Miami thought it had gotten within 56-54 and a Max Struz three. And for those of us who have bets on this, right, you're, you're as involved play-by-play as, as you could possibly be. They thought they were down 2-56-54 uh, after Strews hits a deep corner three with 11-04 remaining in the third. Um, it had been, again, as many as 17 the lead early in the first half. 56-54 at that point. But the Celtics answer with a 9-1 run. which And then after several minutes of game action and about 10 minutes of real-time the NBA replayed, uh, Replay Center in Secaucus, New Jersey, which JVT and I have been to together, uh, they decided that Strews had stepped out of bounds. They overturned it. His three comes off the board while the game was going, and a 56-54 game all of a sudden is 65-52. to Let's bring in Jonathan Von Tobel. JVT, did that, does that sort of delay thing,
4: did that kind of sully the game a little bit to you? Uh, I, 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 I guess kind of, I don't know. Like they, they've done that before in the regular season. Like that happens a little bit more often than people would think. I, to me, what, what sullied it was when you showed the replay it did look like Struess's heel did not touch the out of bounds line, <laughs> that's right? Like that's probably the, the bigger killed. point, yes. Right, like <laughs> so. Like I think a lot of people were like, "Hey, you can't do that." No, it happens all the time. The problem is when you show the replay, and his white shoes clearly. I thought it looked like at least above the bay like above was it the baseline, whatever it was, the out of bounds marker. Like it looked like he was still in bounds. Like that's where I had yes. the biggest problem. But also, <laughs> it's a lesson to anybody: uh, don't wear the same colored shoes as the as the border of the floor, because you're gonna get screwed more often than not. That I.
0: I don't know if sullied was the right word, but it did kind of take the wind out of everybody's sails for a while. Yeah. Not not if you're a Celtics fan or a Celtics backer, I suppose, but in the other direction for sure. And yet the heat came, kept coming back in this game. You don't have a problem with Butler taking the three, do you?
4: no not at all look I, I like I equated to uh, th- this is a team it's almost like the Ravens when they went for two at that one point like you're banged up you are injured you're exhausted like why go for the extra point and potentially overtime when you can win this thing right here because it's more likely than not that, that you're not gonna be able to hold them off in overtime given the status of your team I-, I thought Butler was fine he was open he takes the shot if he hits it we're not talking about it and if he doesn't which he didn't uh, now we're talking about the shot but no I think it was the right move for Jimmy Butler and also I mean look he after what he's done Gil like oh. he played all 40 eight minutes. I think he's got enough gumption there to pull up and attempt that shot because what he's done for the heat was incredible in this postseason. By the way, Eric Spolster
0: on the, uh, on the replay uh, taking the three away from Struess 10 minutes later, he said, I'm sure they'll look at that and we'll probably be the case study for it. I'm okay. If it happens the way it used to, they would look at it the next foul or break and look at it and notice it. But it was probably 10 minutes of real time. Somebody check on that, that from Eric Spolstra. So anyway, whatever. Uh, The NBA Finals begins on Thursday. It is the one we wanted to see, Boston versus Golden State, and the Warriors are about minus 150 series favorites. It keeps sort of creeping up. Yeah. Um, What do you make of that?
4: So I'm not, uh, so I'm not surprised that it started to creep up. You know, I talked about this the other day, which was the initial prices that were floated out. There was like golden state minus 120. And I, and I talked about this on the show yesterday, which was, you know, at one point I was in the camp of like, personally, I make the Celtics a favorite in that series, despite not having home court. But the more you watch Boston, the more you watch them struggle and continue to struggle in clutch minutes, which they did in the regular season to a great degree. And they did a little bit in the postseason. season. Uh, I, I am more in the camp of look, home court is very much worth something in this postseason. Like, number-wise, it's worth four points by my numbers. So it would make sense to make the Warriors' favorites. And I thought more around, like, by the time we got this series settled, I figured it was going to come in at, like, minus 140, maybe minus 145. I am surprised that we've seen some spots as high as, like, minus 165. And like you said, like, and the others that opened lower continue to kind of climb in the direction of the Golden State Warriors. So we got a couple of days to get this sorted out and see what the market does with it. But I'm with you, like, the initial surprise of not so much that it opened a little bit higher than we first thought, but that it opened a little bit higher and then climbed a little bit more after that thing opened up. So yeah, I'm a little, a little surprised, but I think a lot of people are turned off by Boston scuffling with what the market clearly thought was an inferior Miami Heat team after what they did in terms of almost blowing it last night as well. Not entirely surprising, but, but it's pretty, it is pretty eyebrow raising to see it get up to like minus 165 here in favor of Golden State.
0: How do you view this matchup on the court itself? I'm hearing a lot Man. of people saying, Oh, Celtics matchup. Great with them.
4: Uh, I I would agree with that sentiment. You know, if you look at some of the numbers, right? So, for example, Boston defensively, they're going to be more than willing to switch a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, They're not going to have to do what Dallas did, right? Dallas was throwing doubles at Steph Curry. They're blitzing off of screens. They're trying to trap them, you know, because they didn't really have faith in in their one-on-one guys in terms of just switching matchups consistently. So what happens, Steph Curry, of course, racks up the assists. He has a great series. The floor opens up for the Golden State Warriors. They're hitting shots left and right. Well, if you're Boston, you don't have to do that. Right, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Grant Williams, you're going to be comfortable switching all over those matchups when you're talking about what the Warriors are going to run. They're going to run a whole bunch of off-ball stuff. Again, if you're the Boston Celtics, you're more than comfortable, especially when you go small, switching those things defensively. So I think you're more comfortable on that end of the floor. Uh, and then when it comes to the offense, skill, look, you know, I ran through the rosters yesterday. Just look at the starting five. The starting five for the Boston Celtics is 6'4", Marcus Smart, 6'6", 6'8", 6'9", and 6'9". When you look at the rest of it, The Golden State Warriors are very much undersized in a matchup like this when you look at their starting five and the rest of their roster as a whole. So I think there's a lot of things that work in favor of the Boston Celtics in this series. So I I do think they match up well. I think when you look at it... it to a certain extent, it is overblown, the stat we keep hearing, the Boston Celtics, the only winning, the only team with a winning record against the Golden State Warriors in the Steve Kerr era. But it does speak in the recent years of how they're built, and they're kind of built to take on a team like the Golden State Warriors. So I would agree with the assessment that they do match up well with Golden State, absolutely. So,
0: pardon me, so Brass, tax this for me. You, uh, the Celtics are three-and-a-half point dogs in game one. Uh, obviously dogs in the series, as we mentioned. Are you taking them? If you're landing on this right now, are you
4: taking the Celtics in either or both? Yeah, I think so. Like when you're, when you're talking about this and this is the the better thing about a series like this against a respected team, like golden state, the market clearly, even though they covered the number yesterday, the market, I think, clearly got a little too high on, on the uh, the Boston Celtics. Like, yeah. we're talking about numbers that translated to, like, a seven, eight-point spread on a neutral court. That, that's really strong. Now, in these scenarios, you're catching three at a hook, and, yes, it's on the road, and we know important road environments have been, but these are more bettable scenarios for a team like the Boston Celtics. We're seeing a couple of shops already coming off the three-and-a-half. I would say both sidewise in game one and for a series that the Celtics are playable, just given what we talked about with the series price, how that continues to rise and and if you look at this as i mentioned four points is what home court has been worth in this postseason i rate boston as slightly better than just a half point better than the golden state warriors i got about a point and a half better personally so i think there's some value in a number like that so given everything we talked about how they match up well where the numbers been? Where it was in the Eastern Conference Finals? I think that the Celtics now enter the series definitely as bettable, not only in the series before it starts, but potentially on a game-to-game basis too, depending on how the market gets. You know, as we get further along in the NBA Finals. And real quick, because uh, we got to
0: run. But uh, if you're betting an NBA Finals MVP, you're staying away from Curry and Tatum and betting one of the longer shots.
4: On Boston, yes. I think for the Warriors with the narrative that, hey, Curry's got to win one, I think it's only going to be Curry if they win it. But Boston, there's like three guys who could win it.
0: All right, plus 110 on Curry, plus 170 on Tatum. Everybody else, starting with Jalen Brown, 11-1 to one or longer. Thank you, JVT. Appreciate it, man. You got it. Thank you. Jonathan Bontopal. everybody. At me, JVT, on Twitter. We'll put all the uh, NBA Finals into sports odds history context
4: next the numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN,
2: the sports betting network.
0: The VSIN Summer Special is here for only $39. You get everything VSIN has to offer from now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VSIN.com. And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Montaube will have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup Playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf ufc usfl and nascar if you want the full visa experience which features a daily best bets email every edition of points read weekly use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it the cost is only 39 united states dollars all of that to be a subscriber through july 31st sign up now at vsun.com slash summer skill alexander ben wilson in for jeff parlay this week uh here on the show you're doing double duty you're doing primetime with us tonight also
3: we're doing triple duty today. We got betting across America. Oh, like Pritchard, Adam Burke. That's my normal. That's a normal show. I work for, work with uh, work on during the week. And then we got PTA tonight. So wow, it's a little uh, memorial. I'm trying to give the people a, a Memorial day to remember Gil. <laughs>
0: that's okay. exactly. And you know you what, know Ben, what? that's exactly what you're doing, man.
3: Yeah. Well, look, is there anything more American than the tradition of celebrating Memorial day by watching French open tennis at, Thank you. 7 a.m.? I don't think there
0: is. That's where you and I differ from the bunch. First of all, it used to be like a big baseball day, bunting. But, like, we only get four games during the day today in baseball. One is a
3: doubleheader, which at Wrigley. What are we doing? What are we doing with that? That's a good – they used to wear the – they would do, like, the the different uniforms, both Memorial Day and Fourth of July, and you would see the game start, yeah, like, nine. you know. I I thought the Nationals always played at, like, 10 a.m. local time. on.
0: Maybe that's only Fourth of July. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't even
3: know. I don't anyway. even know anymore.
0: Come on, baseball. Get back to where you were. French Open, though. We were, you and I were just talking off, off air. I, I think of all the... If you ask me, like, what's been... So, first of all, about our futures. Carlos, obviously. Uh, Charlie Alcaraz, still still uh, alive. Uh, quarters tomorrow. The big quarterfinal match against Zverev. If he wins that, it's either Joker, uh, Novak Djokovic, or Rafa Nadal in the semis. Obviously, Iga, who plays a match here coming up a little after the show. Uh, Iga, who has won... Count them thirty-one straight matches, and forty-four of her last forty-five sets of tennis. And this is her surface. Um, she plays uh, a little later on against the uh, teenager Kinwen Zheng. Those are both alive. the The quarter recommendations I made last week, though, which we couldn't bet here, but could. Only, but for those who could bet in other jurisdictions. None of those got home, man. Jill Teichman, who was a long shot, she got blasted by Sloane Stephens. I would argue that Sloane Stephens' performance here is the single most surprising one of both the men's and the women's side. Now, she was a 2018 French Open finalist right after she won the 2017 U.S. Open, or two majors afterwards. So there is some clay history. But as you and I were talking about off air, she was so bad at one point in between then and now and now there's nothing in her data that would have predicted this run on Clay, but she's in the quarters. Good for Sloan. Um, so we we lost on uh, Teichman, and we lost on Miamir Kikmanovic, who Medvedev knocked out, who was a big quarter play for us. So the quarter plays did not get home. But the big ones, oh, boy. Still very excited about that. Looking forward to our college uh, playoffs, our college World Series talk here momentarily. Get the whole format down. Uh, ben Wilson, very... Uh, very knowledgeable at such things. Let me just say this in advance. Again, I told the, this to you off air. My buddy Brad uh, Bradley Porras tried to explain the format of the regionals and the super regionals to me for about 20 minutes and I was too dense to understand it. So hopefully you can make uh, sense of it. And yet I have Do four, my best. and yet I have four bets on the uh, on the subject. All right, let's uh let's put the uh, Warriors and the Celtics into some historical context uh, context. And for that we always like to bring in our buddy Blake Mahoney from sportsoddshistory.com. How are you doing, Blake?
2: Good. How are you doing?
0: Doing very well. Uh, Blake, first of all, sportsoddshistory.com, uh, a great resource for everybody. It can be followed at SOHistory. Uh, let's start with the fact that the Celtics, I mentioned that at the midway point of the season, they were under 500. They're the first team to get to the NBA Finals uh, that's been under 500 at the midway point of the season since the 1981. Houston Rockets who eventually uh, lost to the Celtics. The Rockets actually were sub 500 at the end of the season, it should be noted 40 and 42 and got all the way to the NBA Finals. Um, what were the Celtics before the season started?
2: So well, they were uh, 40 to one at the uh, at the start of the season and then let's see here on February 1st they were 66 to 1.
0: And so now is this has sort of become a thing with 40 to one and longer getting to the finals no?
2: Right. yeah, So uh, the last three years, we've we've seen uh, three three different teams that were uh, 41 or higher reach the finals. That's, uh, so Phoenix last year and Miami the year before. But uh, before that, uh, my my site goes back to 1984 for preseason odds uh, to win the championship, and there were only three teams from '84 to 2018 that were even uh, 30 to 1 or higher, and that was the uh, 89 90 uh, Trailblazers, the 01 uh, 02 Nets, and the 07 08 uh, Lakers.
0: Wow. Okay. So the first of those, so three in a row now, again, Miami in the bubble, Phoenix last year, Boston this year, 40 to 1 or longer pre flop before the season started, three years in a row, and before that, a span of nearly three decades where only three teams 30 to one or longer had gotten to the NBA finals. So yes, what used to be a, a league that was almost virtually impossible to get this far, all of a sudden has uh, the, the sort of uh, nature of it has changed here in the, in the uh, short uh, term recency. So, okay. Um, And then it gets to a point. I'm I'm curious about this as well, because the flip side of that then has to do with, you know, the favorite to win the title before the season started, right? So that was always fade out complete that that team would get to the NBA Finals. We have three years in a row of that not happening as well?
2: Right. Sorry. Uh, so it's actually the favorite to win the championship uh, entering the playoffs. Instead entering of the playoffs. The, uh, I'm sorry. Okay. Season. Right. So, yeah, three, three years in a row, the favorite entering the playoffs uh, has lost in the conference semifinals. Uh, so that – would be, uh, what's your Phoenix this year, Brooklyn last year, and then the Clippers in the, uh, in the bubble year.
0: Phoenix this year, Brooklyn last year, and who was it in the bubble year?
2: Uh, the uh, Clippers. The Clippers in the
0: bubble year. Yes, I have a, a vague recollection of that as well. Talking to uh, Blake Mahoney from SportsOddsHistory.com. You could follow all their stuff at uh, SOHistory on Twitter. Putting, stuff, uh, putting the betting stuff in uh, historical context, Um, Okay, and so the finals price now on the Warriors is about minus 150. You could see minus 160s out there. You might even see a tick below minus 150, but generally it's minus 150. Um, Finals favorites who are less than minus 200 going into the finals. What do you have on that?
2: If we go back uh, to 2006, there have been seven series where the uh, favorite was less than minus 200, and of those seven series, the uh, the dog has won five times. Uh, and the only two times that where they, and including last year, where the Bucks were plus 160, uh, there were uh, the only two favorites that did go on to win were the uh, Lakers in 2010, and you know that took uh, coming down to the final moment in Game Seven, and then. The uh, Spurs
0: in 2014 over the Heat. Wow, Spurs over the Heat. Which 2014? That was that the that was okay. Yeah, so that was the year after the Ray Allen uh, tri- right. three pointer year, right? The Spurs and then the Kobe led Lakers in 2010. The only two favorites uh, south of minus two hundred out of seven out of the last seven uh, to get to the promised land. Every other one was a dog getting there, including the Bucks from last year. Blake always appreciated um is this kind of stuff uh, stuff that you are typically can people uh, message you for stuff if they're interested in, in learning about it regardless of sports and historical odds would you feel those kinds sure, of things know.
2: yeah yeah I always happen to uh, answer questions and uh, you know pretty much everything that I have is is on my site so it's it's out there for everyone to see
0: all right Blake we appreciate it thanks so much man yeah, thank you. Blake Mahoney, everybody, from SportsOddsHistory.com, at S-O History. That's pretty interesting, right? And this is because we always said the the stat that we always use, we always quote is from Stats by Lopez, which is, you know, if 80%, this is how it's always been in the NBA, 80% of favorites get through NBA playoff series. And that's because historically the first round, right, has been so weighted so heavily in terms of the favorites. But 80% of NBA favorites get through best-of-seven series, if that was to manifest in hockey, you'd have to play best of fifty ones, and if you if that was to manifest in baseball, you'd have to play best of seventy fives. But yet, what Blake is describing there is a bit of a historical shift, right? Where it's like, hey, man, if you're if you're a a huge dog heading into the season, you are you have all you used to have barely any shot of it. Three in the last three decades. I've gotten to just the NBA Finals. Forget about winning it. Just the NBA Finals. That's three in a row now, last three years. Miami hit in the bubble, Phoenix last year, and uh, the Boston Celtics this year. Boston Celtics could have been had at 66-1 to midway through the season. And now a lot of people think they are the play here going into the NBA Finals, including our own Jonathan Tobel. We will come back. We will have that College World Series talk. It is Selection Monday. You can bet futures on this, and Ben's got all the details on the format. Regionals, Super Regionals, followed by Omaha and the World Series itself. That's next, right here on the Numbers Game at VEASAN, the
1: Sports Betting Network.
4: A numbers game with Gil Alexander on v the sports betting network.
0: BetMGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code v 200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM all season long. Sign up today with the King of Sportsbooks. Eligibility restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM. Uh, Bet Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older wager. New customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Skill Alexander. Ben Wilson is here as well. Ben in for the vacationing Jeffrey Parlay. I don't know if you saw this uh, on a numbers game uh, last week. We had our buddy Todd Wishnev on. Who you have uh, played tennis with, and I have, I have. I, and I have wagered on your match with Todd Wishnev successfully. By One
3: way. of the most legendary middles I've ever seen. Thank, where thank you very much. Let's just say I I got a little aggressive on the number of games <laughs> I was willing to lay Todd. Yeah, he won two games and immediately. Got a little bit of hubris, to which Gil then countered and took the other side. And Thank you, you bet on, ended up betting on both of us, and we both won bets for you. So I beat Todd 6-2. Yeah. I was laying five games, so it was a bad line I gave out. And then Todd decided to in-game me, thinking he could win, which was a total farce, <laughs> a complete joke of a wager. So I at least got my money back. And then yeah. Gil's just sitting there in the corner, wins both uh, bets. Just walking away, Richard. That's all I did, Todd. Uh, I think the fastest velocity of a shot Todd hit that entire match was about 30 miles an hour. Yeah, it was just moonball city, <laughs> and I just got in my own head. I lost. He was talking trash. Six-two winner. I felt like I lost.
0: You played D two tennis. Is that true?
3: Uh no. I played. I played high school. I had D two and D three offers. Which ah, I see. There was a big threat over the weekend from a D three basketball coach of. Stop talking about getting offers if you got D three offers because that just means you were given the chance to pay to play that's in right. college. So that's right. I was given the chance to pay to play in college. <laughs> Yo, that's how I
0: will phrase it now. Well, I, I bring that up because we had uh, Todd on last week, and he and Steve Fezzik have a bet. We put out the clip has about seven thousand views on Twitter. Jeff was I, I said to Jeff I said we should put out the clip. Jeff said to me he goes Ah no one cares. I was like trust me it'll get tons of views. Uh, I got about seven thousand views. Uh, about the, they have a bet because Todd gained a lot of weight since you and he, he played, is down to about 289 from a high above 300. And so they have a bet, 3,000 out of Todd's pocket, 9,000 out of Steve Fezzik's pocket. I think Fezzik is 60 pounds lighter than Todd. And so they have a year, dating back from May 12th, a few weeks back, a year that if at any point during the next calendar year, Todd, Todd's weight goes below Fezzik's weight, Todd will win the 9,000, Vice versa, if he doesn't, Steve will win the three thousand. If they both get down to one eighty, then it's a push. Um, so I just want, as you you know, Todd, I just want your thoughts on this. Do you think Todd wins this wager? Look, he, when we when he was out here last, I mean, he lost
3: he lost a ton. Of, I think he lost, didn't he? Lose seventy five, eighty pounds. He knows how to do. So he is. Yeah. it's not like he's a newbie just saying on a whim I'm going to lose weight. Like I I think you got to give the guy better than three to one to to do that. Now the issue is. Yeah, the, the multi-tiered handicap here, Gil. How wow. do you how do you evaluate a guy who is That's right. who is also uh, you would presume actively <laughs> going to be losing weight? So I don't think this is, this is as simple as all right, Todd lose seventy pounds. Yeah, it, there's there's more to
0: it. So I love a multi-layered Todd, handicap.
3: Love a multi-layered handicap. Love I'm rooting it. for Todd though. As somebody who is it. friends with Todd.
0: Yeah, we root for Todd is a professional weight loser. He knows how to do this. Sadly, he is also a professional weight gainer, as he would say himself. So, but hopefully he can. Uh, I hey, just want to be healthy at the end. Just want to be healthy. Be an interesting bet. Uh, okay, college baseball is getting to the uh, the business end, just like the French Open is getting to the business end of the tournament. College baseball getting to the business end of their season. You have been calling games. You were just at the WAC conference tournament. That's right, Mesa, Arizona, last week, and yeah. and some major shenanigans happened. Yeah, the worst team in the
3: conference, New Mexico State, uh, just. Casually went 4-0 and and outscored their opponents 27-5 and never trailed.
0: After and going what during the regular season? 20-32, and,
3: and they were 10-20 <laughs> and 20 in conference play. That is it's phenomenal. Just, it's like college baseball in a nutshell. And, like, none of this stuff ever makes sense. But at the end of the day, so it's unlike Major League Baseball where you have five rotation starters. College baseball, there's three because you play weekend series all season. So you have a – your ace is called your Friday starter. Your second is your Saturday, and your third is your Sunday. And so basically what it comes down to is – how good are your top three pitchers? And then how deep is your bullpen? Because as we'll talk about, it is these there are these double elimination bracket formats. So okay. you could like in a regional or college or a conference tournament, you could play, I mean, five, six games. It's not out of the question in like a four-day span. So you need to have a ton of arms. And that's, that's I think, the hardest thing for people to kind of wrap their heads around for handicapping college baseball. It's just the pitching matters a lot. And a lot of teams just don't have depth. So they get kind of, uh, they get exposed this time
0: of year. Tennessee is the number one team in the country.
3: They are. Okay. Incredible.
0: So the World Series, which people know to be in Omaha, that happens later in June. There are eight teams that get there. There are sixty-four that will be, you know, we have we have selection Monday today, right after this show. Sixty-four teams, including New Mexico State now, from winning that conference, winning whack, they will be in the regionals. The sixty four goes down to sixteen, which is the super regionals, which goes to the eight in Omaha eventually. But in between, what what happens is this whole. And again, my buddy Brad tried to explain this to me yesterday, and I still don't get it. The seating is is what really matters, right? Like in a way that that doesn't necessarily matter in March Madness. Explain that to us.
3: Right. So yeah, the general format is similar to March Madness. Then you've got the 64 who are in 31 auto bids if you win your conference tournament. But uh, the NCAA, so those odds we just flashed, we can throw them up again too. Yeah. Those are the odds for the – so the NCAA, the bracket comes out in about an hour. But they've already said who are the regional hosts, so, which means you are a national seed. So the top 16 teams in the country by the NCAA, how they determine that – they get to host. So there are these a bunch of four-team pods. So just think of it as 16 different four-team double-elimination tournaments. And the winner then goes to Super Regionals, which is the final 16. And if you are one of these 16 teams on the screen here, you've got a chance to potentially, you could potentially host a Super Regional. So how this works, you got the 16. These are the odds to win the full College World Series. Now let's just say for the sake of argument, like Virginia Tech, they're, but, and we don't know the exact seeding numbers yet. We just know that they're hosts. We don't know order of 1 through 16. But let's just say Virginia Tech is a 7 seed and they don't win their regional. They would be bracketed, say, with Southern Miss, who would be, say, a 10 seed. Southern Miss would get to host a super regional if, say, Arizona was a, was a winner of a regional over a seeded team, say, a team that wasn't a, a top seed and you would then go on the road to face one of these other top 16 seats. So the okay. Super Regional, it's, yeah. it is a bracket in the sense of 1 through 16, but it's not like there's reseeding or shuffling after that. It's just, it just breaks down to who gets to ultimately host. So
0: that's the part that gets me. So let's, let's just take the extreme example. So Tennessee, right, one of the 16 pods, if you will, in the regionals is at Tennessee, number one team in the country. If Tennessee were to somehow get upset the team, so only one team of those four comes out and advances the Super Regional. If Tennessee, the number one team in the country, was to get upset in the Regionals, the team that comes out of their group of four in the Regionals all of a sudden assumes the number one seed in the Super Regionals? So, no, it would be... they would. They would that's why, so of
3: the, the these 16 teams... Now, now, you could have a scenario where if you have both of the seeded teams lose their Regionals, which is... Rare, but I mean it's happened before. Uh, then you would then I then I believe how that works at that point is whatever the seeded, whatever that the top team in that particular regional, that seed would get assigned to the seed who comes out. If you have a scenario where there's neither team seeded. Uh, and which is again very rare, but and you also have to like it's a weird thing with baseball. You have to apply to be a host, oh so you have to God. have the right facilities. So there have been a couple times where these teams are not even eligible to host because they don't have they don't have enough facilities right, that the NCAA deems. Because yeah. you have some some college baseball teams, it's you know there there's you know little bleacher stands and there's nothing. But uh, so it's a very yeah it's a very roundabout way of saying okay. if you get total carnage in the regionals, uh, yes, you can expect some really wacky uh, results for. But the super regionals, just think of it as. All the teams who win regionals then go to a best-of-three single series, and that's how you determine those are eight
0: series to decide the eight participants in the College World Series. So there's double eliminations. There's best. There's two out of three, in other words, right. as well. It's, it's a funky bracket. If you look, you can actually see the Omaha bracket. And you can see what I mean. It's like basically you could lose four baseball games from now to the end and still win the national championship through the yep. regional, super regionals in, the, in Omaha. So – just to win it all, you're a a veteran of of play by play here now on college baseball. Is there a bet there that you would make of the ones that we have already ascribed as regional hosts?
3: Look, I mean, Tennessee's been has uh, just been a absolute juggernaut all year. It's hard for me to sit here and say it. plus two twenty five. I really want to play that. They've lost like five games all season. It's it's pretty insane. I uh, the team that interests me. So Texas was. Perceived to be that team after the non con. I mean, they got off to this insane start. I think they won their first 16 or 17 games playing really good competition. Uh, they've fallen off pretty significantly, though, and, and part of it, they're in the Big 12, so a really good conference. They didn't win the regular season. 16 to 1, like they're going to be live. They have a really, really good team, and they will be a regional host as
0: you see. That, I ha- would, that would intrigue me a little bit. I have Texas at 15 to 1, so yeah, like Ben said, you could probably get them at that price or a little better right now. I have AM at 40 to 1, same exact price that exists now. Ole Miss at 100 to 1, hope they get in today. And then I have Stanford at 30 to 1, which is not nearly as good now, 12 to 1. Thank you, Ben, appreciate that. Wes Reynolds on golf, Indy 500 and more next.